Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Rockin' music there, wow. You know, we're just a day away, Ben, from the uh, 73rd annual P-Man's Rockin' New Year's Eve show. I'm excited. I'm hyped. In the 45 years we've been doing this radio show, we uh, always ring in the new year. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, That is tomorrow. We've got a splendid little show for you here today. Reaction to Mike Oresco speaking. Panthers have uh, updated who's not going to play on Sunday. Uh, There was no mayo in that mayo jug. And uh, we've got some ECU baseball news. Uh, Talk a lot of hoops this hour. Brian Mull. Uh, scribe for the uh, Blue Ribbon preseason magazines, written for the Athletic uh, Caddy Network, and uh, also Cy Seymour. You know, today, Ben, was going to be one of our infamous 90-minute shows, you know, that leads into ECU basketball coverage to keep it nice and clean. It was, it was. But no pirate hoops today because uh, of a uh, singular uh, player testing positive for COVID. And uh, so the... Right, and because of that and uh, what have you, uh, no game at Wichita State for ECU. So the Pirates' next game will be uh, coming up Saturday. That's a 2 o'clock tip and a one thirty pregame launch here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT as they take on Tulane. Tulane's got a game tonight. Uh, forget who it's against. I don't know if it's against. It might be UCF tonight. Yeah, it is UCF. It's UCF tonight. So... You know, they'll have another game in, but I, I got to imagine Joe Dooley, who, I mean, you know how these coaches are wired. He is not happy about that the Pirates' last game they played will have come, you know, a couple weeks, 10 days, whatever it is, uh, against Tulane. And then they got to turn around and play Tulane again on their home floor for their next game. That's just the mind of how coaches work. I mean, but you, you never want to turn around, you know what I'm saying? And the way the last game. The way yeah. sees, that's the team that's getting reps right now. And they're well, that's very yeah. true. And they will have gotten a game under their belt. And uh Pirates, as we understand it, are practicing. Just, you know, there's the COVID restriction things in place. We'll we'll get into some of that. Uh Cy Seymour, as we mentioned uh later on. Uh let's start with the Panthers, Ben, and uh the big uh news today, Christian McCaffrey not playing. I think we kind of expected that. Uh, but to me, with the ankles, Mike Davis not playing now. That was announced today. Not, I guess, not terribly surprising, but I'm disappointed for him. Yeah, I mean, he kind of capped off his season with an 1,000-yard total scrimmage yards. I mean, that was a great way to start the season, and you kind of wanted to see him end it on an even better note. But 
Now we got what Rodney Smith or some other loser <laughs> starting now. Whoa, easy Ben. He's he's just not good. I don't like Rodney Smith as a Panthers fan. He's yeah. he's terrible. Yeah. By the way, uh, we should say uh, hello to Ben Byram, who is uh, producing the uh, show today. Hey Ben. Hey Ben. <laughs> uh, we had Mike Caresco on yesterday. Um. Uh, a lot of reaction to that. I got, I got a lot of reaction to that yesterday. I loved it. He answered just about anything you wanted to know in terms of what happened during the season. All the questions you wanted answered, it seemed like he answered. So I had someone call me after the interview and ask me, did uh, when did we record that with Oresco? And I said, oh, no, we did it live. We're doing it live yesterday and today. But do it live. We'll do it live. Exactly. Precisely. Do it live. And the, re and the reason that uh, we, we kind of went as long as we did with him, because he, I mean, not only can he talk, but I, to me, you kind of have him going there. I, I see no reason to, to break it up necessarily, which is probably, you know, there's so many different ways people say you should do this and not do this, and you should have quick, specific breaks and what have you. And, and I, I do agree with some of that in certain settings, but. There are certain things that I think you have to kind of do. He wasn't holding back any punches. He was going off on the committee. I mean, you, you just got to let him keep going. No, I, yeah, that's kind of where, I mean, it was just, you know, look, there are only, what, 10, 12 of, guy, of, of those guys in the country yeah. that are the commissioners of, of an FBS uh, football league. I mean, they're, they're not exactly hundreds or thousands of those guys. I mean, if, if for all intents and purposes, and he, he probably would not like me to say this, and there are others that wouldn't, but I mean, let, he's as far as college football goes, you could argue he's the sixth biggest guy in college football, right? Because I mean, there. I mean, if you want to leave out maybe a head coach or something like that, I mean, he's definitely up there in terms well, of influence, you, you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you have the, the commissioners of the so-called P5, right? Gotcha. Yep. I guess the chair of the committee, he would seem like a pretty powerful guy, right? Yep. yep. Uh, Saban and Dabo. So, I mean, at the very least top 10, but I mean, if you're doing it on commissioners, he's, he's the fifth or sixth most powerful guy in, in college football. Oh yeah. Now, one would think. Oh yeah. I mean, ESPN is, I mean, he, they, they are, the American is a big part of their, uh, of their, uh, television programming and was this football season you know I, i'm I, i'm anxious i was anxious to and i will be anxious to talk to him a little more about the tv deal their their thoughts on it as we've gotten into it i understand it's a very unique and very different year with things i do believe that you know not only was he taking eh, they weren't shots they were just legitimate gripes with the committee but i also believe that he was taking what would be uh, you know a very uh, cautious, but also reasonable approach. I, I, I thought it was very interesting. There were two things ye yesterday that I took from that that were completely on different sides of uh, the interview and of the ledger. One would be, I got the impression he does not think there's any way they're going to be able to get in a full 20-game season for every member of the conference this year in basketball. Uh, he, he basically said it. Now, the minimum is 13. Mole, who's coming up, believes it's going to be hard for some teams to get 13. 
And you got to kind of have that to get into the NCAA tournament. But Mike Oresco firmly believes that there are going to be uh, teams in the NCAA tournament, and, and let's just say the NIT as well, that uh, are not going to have 20 games on their regular season schedule as part of their uh, resume to get them into the postseason. So I wonder how the NCAA will handle that, don't you? It's gonna be I mean, they're going to... I mean, it might end up being kind of how we saw with the bowl games this year. Teams that probably on a normal year wouldn't have gotten in are now probably yeah. going to get in. Well, that and and who gets put in on reputation only? You know, I mean, we always we always it's popular to do the bubble watch. Uh, how does that uh, play out? But I I I thought he was very candid about that yesterday. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Kentucky will, will get into the tournament this year. Despite <laughs> how bad they are. But I did. I, I thought he was very candid about that and. And I mean, I'm not saying he's presented false optimism at other times, but I just, I wonder, it, it is interesting to hear uh, someone like Oresco and now other commissioners and head coaches admit that we're probably not going to get through a regular season without a, a high, high number of cancellations, yet we're all still kind of driving towards the NCAA tournament, which they all admit, and, and I mean, they're right, it it does for the survival of many kind of have to happen as an aside. I do think it was encouraging to hear him say as a whole, the conference is in pretty good shape. I think the individual members, and I mean, we certainly know about the financial difficulties at ECU, but trust me, there's some financial difficulties at places that have uh, had some pretty big budgets uh, in, uh, in their athletic department in recent years in this league. That's, that's the word around the campfire. Uh, it is uh, nothing that I think I would say right now is a definitive out loud. But I mean, I, I've you hear that enough times. And so how does that uh, kind of play out? Where's the conference there in, in that? Obviously, as is the case with ECU, the university as a whole is going to do the best and as much as it can, I'm sure, to to help athletics along in a lot of places. Um, the other thing I thought was was interesting for Mike Oresco. And you noted this yesterday, Ben, in kind of the uh, post-mortem we did within the show, the last segment. There have been reports in Idaho, also now nationally, that Boise State and the American have engaged in conversations. The way Mike Oresco answered that question about a potential 12th football member, while he said what he normally would say, the tone of that was not exactly uh, dismissive is the wrong word, but it, it, the tone was not as much a denial as the words were. Does that make sense? And so I firmly believe uh, that th there's a lot of legitimacy to that. But then he said, what, Ben? 14 members. Yeah. He, quite possibly. He took it to a whole nother level. He, he took it. So, I mean, your mind go the obvious Choices are Boise and BYU, but then who's the other member? Does Army re-engage in, in going into a, a conference as a football-only member situation? I would certainly think Liberty would not be under consideration, but who knows? But it would have to be a situation where, like a BYU, they already have a destination for their other sports. Army has this as well with all their other athletic endeavors in the Patriot League. So uh, we'll see. 
but uh, certainly Boise has made overtures to get their uh, basketball and Olympic sports moved out of the Mountain West and moved to somewhere as well. That is not a happy marriage right now. And uh, I think certainly Boise's got one hope and one hope only, and that is that they wind up uh, in the American in football and can find a destination for these other sports somewhere on the West Coast. Uh, some strange bedfellows are going to be created. I, I think the Boise brand is very good. BYU brand, for that matter, very good for the uh, for the American. And as football only, it'd be tremendous for the for the league. I think it it strengthens that case when you get the next round of football of, of negotiations towards expanding the playoffs. I I don't I understand he has to be optimistic about expansion means more inclusiveness. They are going to fight like hell to make sure that there's a seat at the table for the American champion. And I think that should be the case. The Americans just in a very precarious position. And their strength in numbers, but you don't necessarily, what, what's good for the American, the, the best interest of Conference USA and the MAC and the Fun Belt and the Mountain West is not necessarily what's in the best interest of the American. But in a way, you kind of need those schools to help strengthen your argument, I guess. But, you know, Mike Oresco's got tremendous respect. I talked to some people today about Mike Oresco. They feel really good about Mike Oresco's continued leadership of this conference. And I, and I think it is good. I just, can you get through to this, uh, this, this group that runs the cabal, the other five conference commissioners? And how much will things change when the ACC gets their new commissioner in? Maybe not a lot, but... You know, you do lose Swafford, who's kind of an, an old boy cog in the old boy network. Might there be a little bit more thoughts with the new commissioner in that league for, hey, how can we get more teams on in and, and grow the grow the product? Dimitri Ravanos returns to us tomorrow. Dimitri wrote an article uh, and it got a lot of traffic and we put it on our social media last week and it helped spur that traffic. That, that college football and ESPN are, are kind of hurting themselves in a lot of ways, or at least ESPN's hurting college football. We'll let Dimitri explain that tomorrow, but that is something that is, uh, I think, quite, uh, quite interesting. And how open-minded will the other leagues be about what's best for the game growing it? I, I tend to think eight playoff spots means just uh, mul more multiple teams from certain conferences. The Pac-12 has got to have some kind of, Thoughts on, hey, we do want to expand this so we can get in on it. Because what is this, the fourth year in a row they've not been in on it? I mean, if you would have expanded the playoffs this year, I mean, it would have been your Floridas, your Oklahomas. You might have got a Cincinnati in, but you're not getting Coastal Carolina and whoever else. Right. And it's going to be the guys that are constantly always kind of in the conversation. Well, look at one through eight. Then the choice comes down to between Georgia and Cincinnati. I, I, so I would what? like to think they would probably favor Georgia. Well, I wouldn't well, like that's, to think that. You, you would think they would favor Georgia. one. One would. Oh, I was going to say one would think that is what happens there. How is that any different than? It's not like Cincinnati missed out at five, so it, it's maybe a little bit apples to oranges comparison there. But I mean, that's the concern. That is the concern. Uh, okay, let's uh, grab a break, uh, Mall. When we come back, Sa Seymour a little bit later on, and uh, we'll. Uh, 
Uh, maybe get to some of those Joe Dooley cuts from the other day as well. We'll uh, see if time allows here. It is the Patrick Johnson Show. Hoops heavy in our next couple of segments here on this Wednesday. Stay tuned. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. Just follow me. We're doing it for the ground. Check out picks from the PJ Show and more. Plus, picks from around Pirate Nation. 94.3 The Game, now on Instagram. We had internet uh, in the mountains. I'd have gone to the mountains this week, Ben. You know that? Wife's family's got a house there. Wouldn't have been a bad move. Franklin, the home of Mike Houston. That's where I would have gone. Oh, well. Uh, Brian Mull, part of Joe Lenardi's team with ESPN. He's written for The Athletic. Uh, Caddy Network continues to star for them. And, uh, of course, Blue Ribbon, superstar the dude is, can I say. Uh, also a uh, basketball broadcaster. Great to have uh, Mole with us uh, here as uh, we talk a little hoop, ahead of Cy Seymour, and uh, talk some basketball, talk some round ball before the final uh, for the final time here in 2020 with uh, Mole. Brian, how's it going? Uh, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to you. Same to you, buddy. Uh, life is good. Yeah, uh, we've got... Uh daytime basketball this time of year it's a great time of the year by the way uh wisconsin won the mayo bowl today and there were a lot of and of course i i know a lot of them are playing it up but there was the uh sports media brethren who uh i guess nerdily thought that they were going to actually pour mayonnaise on the coach that's like (laughs) impossible unless you put a lot of you know oil in there and who wants that and then you can't get it out of your clothes but um that, but Wisconsin came back to beat the um, the Wake Forest Dreaming Deacons today in the uh, in the bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, formerly the Belk Bowl, and then they dropped the 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 what has it been a trophy? The trophy in the locker room and shattered it into pieces. Oh, so there you go. It's a little slippery. It's, it's mayoed up. Uh, all right, Mole, what? Uh, who are you telling me that is playing their first basketball game of the season today? Uh, Fordham. Jeez. Uh, member of the Atlantic 10 played their very first game earlier today, uh, conference game, no less. And uh, of course, as expected, was beaten soundly by George Washington. Um, pretty difficult time for, for having to play your first game on December 30th and have it be a conference game. How many schools, who has played, would you say, the most games? Uh, I mean, in other words, who, who, what teams have played the most games at this point? And there's not that many of well, them who've played, are there? We have a number who've played nine or ten. Um, 
uh, most of the Big Ten has has played uninterrupted, and most of the Big Twelve, which uh, you know, as it happens, are where you'll find many of the best teams this season residing in those two conferences. Uh, Gonzaga's nine and zero, um, and uh, you know you've got a lot of teams in that kind of six to eight game, which, considering the late start, uh, I think could be considered a success. I think Purdue played their eleventh game last night. If I'm not mm. so, mm. um, you know, and then on, on the other side of that, you, you have, uh, of course the Ivy league has, um, has shut it down is not playing at all this year. And, uh, then, you know, closer to home here, we have wake forest, which is two and oh, sitting tight. Had to schedule uh Catawba to get a game in just trying uh, to play some games. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what they're doing. I mean, I had to go schedule a D two. Uh, I think tomorrow to uh, to get all the games in. So, Mike Oresco was on yesterday. He fully admitted that he doesn't anticipate twenty games being played by you know anybody in in the conference. The geography and the way that this thing is sitting in certain parts of the country would lend itself to think, well, that's certainly going to be the case because there's just there's going to be something that happens that cr- prevents people from from playing, be it contact tracing, being a positive case like the ECU has where you have the, the one positive and, uh, you know, they've, they're not playing a game at Wichita as a result. So, but you were telling me earlier today, you think 13 games, which is the minimum the NCAA has put forth, could be real problematic for some, some uh, schools. Well, I, I feel like most will, will get there. I mean, we do have two months remaining and, uh, you know, a, a lot of these programs are, are more than halfway there, but there'll, there'll be a school or two um, that will struggle to get to 13. Uh, you know, some of these programs we've talked about already that they've already been interrupted and, uh, you know, may have, uh, you know, who knows, may have further interruptions, not within their program, but within their opponents. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a day to day situation. Um, the conferences are probably going to have to shuffle some schedules at times when, uh, you know, they, they need teams on the court and, and, and the healthy, the healthy teams will be matched up perhaps. Uh, I know that's yeah. something that's been considered in like the colonial where if they have two schools that are out, you know, they'll, they'll reconfigure the schedule to make sure they can, they can get games for the healthy teams. Gotcha. Brian Mull uh, with us here. We're talking a little college basketball uh, with him. Uh, and uh, things will kind of pick back up uh, in the next few days and really in earnest uh, with this weekend uh, and starting into January. Uh, the NCAA, how flexible do you get the sense they are with reconsidering the 13-game rule if they have to and what they may do as far as pushing back an NCAA tournament maybe to accommodate uh, that sort of – because, I mean, as crass as it may sound, and we talked about this with Oresco yesterday. I mean, they've got to play this tournament for the survival of a lot of athletic programs throughout the country. That's that's crass to say, and it, it kind of flies in the face of we're concerned about the players' uh, health and safety. But you've also got athletic departments that employ people who have families who have to work. Oh, yeah. The tentacles from the NCAA tournament stretch deep and far and wide and uh, that, that money means a lot to a lot of, lot of schools, athletic departments, uh, you know, certainly 
whether their conference wins a game or not, just to know they have that, that guaranteed money coming in. And there's, there's just no way that they cannot uh, go on. And I think that that was the argument that, that certain coaches, uh, Krzyzewski, Patino, others were making when they said, Hey, why don't we just push the whole thing back? Start it, start the season in January and play the tournament in May, you know, April or May. And uh, apparently that was just not on the table or not discussed at least at the top of the NCAA um, at any length. So as far as I know, you know, unless there, unless there, we have ma- major stoppages, uh, I would expect the, the tournament to be played in its typical schedule, you know, March with the, with the finishing up the first week in April. Um, now where and uh, you know, what it looks like, I think that remains to be seen, but I would be, I would be surprised if there's many fans um, in the building, of course, you know, in, in the, in the larger arenas and the domes you can socially distance and get a few thousand in there but uh you know the yeah the tournament's going to be held what it's going to look like how they're going to pick the teams all those things are you know obviously unprecedented uh it's going to be very difficult to judge uh for example kentucky one in six against a very difficult schedule um what if they go 500 in the you know in the sec what do you do with them you know um there, there, there's going to be some, some teams, uh, you know, it was a year where probably scheduling difficult and Calipari has said as much probably wasn't the best idea. Well, are they going to have an NIT? Has that been kind of fleshed out yet? No, that's a great question. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard a, a, a much discussion. I, w- I would think not just, uh, I, I would think this is going to be a bare bones situation. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Um, yeah. With most of those games in the NIT being held on campus, I would think not. Right. Just hypothetical here. Do you think the NCAA tournament would entertain, especially if they are playing it in kind of one city in a quasi bubble, like they have discussed, would they entertain maybe expanding even more? They to, should. I, I agree yeah. there a hundred percent. I think they should as well. Yeah. In a year where it's going to be as difficult as ever to pick, you know, the bottom 10 or 12 at large teams or whatever you want to you know, call it. And the bubble is going to look strange. Why, what, you know, what, what harm is there in, in adding another round, you know, making it yeah. 128 teams, you know, certainly somebody's still going to complain, but, uh, you know, just, uh, it would, it would be a nice ending to, to what's going to been such an unusual season. Uh, Brian Mull with us. He writes about, uh, golf a lot too. Nikki Novak's going to be on us tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about and get a primer on, uh, the, uh, HBO, uh, expose, uh, that they're going to do on Tiger Woods uh, in the new year. I mean, the dates are, are coming up pretty much uh, as soon as the calendar flips. It's one of those two weekend deals. It's in the vein of uh, what they did last year with, uh, or a couple years ago, was it with Michael Jackson? I'm not saying it's it's that subject matter. It's far from it. But I mean, it's one of those uh, dig deep, unauthorized, sort of biography of, of, of Tiger Woods. That's going to be some pretty fascinating uh, television to watch. And, and I have to imagine, well, I don't know. What, what, what do you anticipate from team Woods, the response being because they for so long have guarded him closely and, and wanted to carefully craft his image. Well, they have forever. And uh, you know, you've seen him open up here in recent years 
uh, the last couple of years, he's, he has the, the contract with golf TV, but that is certainly uh, something that his management and his team controls entirely. The questioning has allowed us to see another side of him and, you know, his conversations um, at his house and things of that nature. But I, I, this is going to look much deeper um, in, into, uh, you know, uh, one of the most uh, complex and uh, intriguing personalities in sports in our lifetime. And uh, just from, I think, starting at the very beginning, um, you know, and his relationship with his father. And, uh, you know, that was complicated. I think it was, you know, it was obviously, it was really, really beneficial to him. And, and uh, you know, their love and respect for each other was, was high, but, but that was still a complicated relationship. So I'm interested to see how much they delve into into that. Uh, there was a book written a, a few years ago by Armin Katayan and Mm-hmm. Benedict. Uh, I remember that, talking uh, to you know, both of them about the book. Yeah. 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 Del delved pretty deeply in, into Earl's background and um, was revealing, uh, well, became a little sorted in, in, in parts, but uh, it was an interesting <laughs> look at kind of the, the whole thing. And um, I, you know, obviously there's a market for that and uh, that, that would, that sort of thing can drive viewership. So I, I'm intrigued to see exactly, you know, what type of package they put together. Brian, uh, have a great new year. And uh, when we talk to you, uh, whenever next year, hopefully we're talking more, you know, exciting basketball related and golf related uh, things instead of these what ifs. Uh, so it'll be fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Patrick. Look forward to it. Uh-huh. Have a happy right. new year. You too, buddy. Uh, Pirate baseball got a preseason uh, honor. We'll delve further into that later in the show, but Ben Byron will uh, tell you more about that and other things happening uh, right now. Ben, what you got? Plenty to talk about Patrick Ben Barm here for your 94 through the game sports update for the third straight year and fourth time since joining the league in 2015. Pirate baseball has been picked first in the 2021 American Athletic Conference preseason poll as chosen by the league's eight co- head coaches. Pirates previously won the 2019 regular season crown, set a new conference record with 20 wins. From college basketball, plenty of hoops set to tip off tonight. We start at six. 23rd ranked Virginia travels to Notre Dame. The Cavaliers are favored by six and a half. The over-under at 125 at 6.30, 25th ranked Ohio State. Hosts Nebraska, the Buckeyes are favored by 13. The over-under at 144.5 points. At 7, we have an American Conference matchup between UCF and Tulane. The Tulane Green Wave are the 9.5 point underdogs with the over-under at 135. Davidson battles Richmond. The Davidson Wildcats are favored by 1 point. The over-under at 142. Western Carolina travels to East Tennessee State. The Catamounts are the underdogs by 3.5 points. The over-under at 143.5. At 8, UNC matches up against Georgia Tech. The Tar Heels are 3.5-point favorites. The over-under at 142.5. NC State hosts Boston College. The Wolfpack are favored by 8.5 points. The over at one, over-under at 153. And to wrap it up at 9, we have the lone matchup between two ranked opponents of the evening. 12th-ranked Missouri battles 7th-ranked Tennessee. The Missouri Tigers are the 4-point underdogs of the over-under at 135. From college football, the Wisconsin Badgers defeated Wake Forest in the Mayo Bowl. 42 to 21 after Demon Deacon starting quarterback Sam Hartman threw four interceptions in the second half after leading the Badgers early on. During their celebration, the Wisconsin Badgers have already shattered the trophy. At eight, we have the Cotton Bowl with sixth-ranked Oklahoma taking on seventh-ranked Florida. The Sooners are favored by seven and a half points. The over/under at 64 and a half. South Carolina quarterback Ryan Helinski announced that he would enter the transfer portal. And Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell wins the Associated Press Coach of the Year award. 
Carolina Panthers are expected to miss their star running back Christian McCaffrey for the seventh straight game for their season finale, as well as backup running back Mike Davis because of ankle injury. Meanwhile, a few other notable inactives for the final week of the regular season throughout the league includes Patrick Mahomes, James Robinson, and Dalvin Cook. And quarterback Dwayne Haskins, is, as, as he's hit the market, the Carolina Panthers are probably one of the several teams interested in signing the former first-round pick. The Buffalo Bills are finally expected to have Bills Mafia at Bills Stadium for the playoffs. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that 6,700 fans will be allowed in attendance upon a negative COVID test. And Johnny Menzel announced yet another pro football comeback, this time announcing that he'll play for a fan-controlled startup league. Here are 94th of the Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Byron. When we return, we'll hear from Pirate Basketball broadcaster Cy Seymour after this quick timeout. And action. Pirates. Play there. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. Uh, put its pants. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Tweet at us <gasps> at 943thegame. Oh, a friend. At P-Man on air. It's not like a cult, is it? Sound off and tell us what's on your mind. 943thegame and P-Man on air on Twitter. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 943thegame and 943thegame.com. <laughs> Every show can be uh, heard again, or if you just want to experience it for the first time or have a friend do so, by going to our webpage, 943thegame.com. We drop the pod uh, about an hour or so after the show, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. You can check it out uh, there, and uh, you can always go back and uh, relive great moments, uh, great shows. We don't do a best of because everything we do is so damn good. That's why you know a lot of other places do the best of. All the bad notes, the good notes, we leave them in. Uh, it is uh, time to bring Cy Seymour in here. Uh, and it's always, you know, today was going to be one of those special 90-minute lead-in shows to the coverage of uh, of ECU at Wichita State. And we were going to have Cy on. And I said, well, we're still going to have Cy on. Why not? Because I want to talk to Cy here before the end of the year. So Cy Seymour, analyst with Pirate uh, Basketball Broadcast on Radio, joins us here. Cy, how are you? Good, Pat. Always good to talk to you. I hope you had a nice Christmas. Well, I did. Same to you. And let's hope it's a uh, better 2021 for everybody. Woo, yeah, let's hope so. Let's, let's get this right. So yeah, we had Mike. We had Mike Oresco on yesterday. We we just talked uh, kind of overall some college hoop stuff with Brian Mall. The, the thing that I keep hearing, and and I was especially taken aback in a way from what the commissioner said yesterday. Not so much what he said, but how he said it. And in some ways, what he said, there's there doesn't seem right now to be a lot of optimism that we're going to get a full, in the American, for example, 20-game conference schedule in for everybody. What's your feeling on that now? Oh, I, I make no bones. I feel the same way. I'm, I just, I don't see how, with people flying all over the country and uh, this virus being so infectious, I just don't, so, I don't see how you can get it done. I, it is so – look, you know, it, it's just going to be that difficult. Until we get people vaccinated and get through this thing, I think Mike Oresco, first of all, is, I would put him above anybody as a commissioner. He's that good, and I think he's right. It's going to be very challenging. 
So we can look at NCAA tournament teams, NIT teams that have played potentially maybe 17 or 18 total games, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it, it could easily be that. I mean, uh, and, and look, and everyone is trying the best they can. It's just, it's a really, really you're in a confined area playing a sport that everybody gets close to get each other. Contact is there. You can't do, you know, you're doing the best you can. And then you're getting on the bus to go back to your plane, and you've been against players that <laughs> have have gone back to their place. I it, the odds are so great against you, uh, and your coaching staff. You do the best you can, and 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 you can't be critical of anyone because they are. They're trying to do the best they can in a very very tough situation. Uh, Cy Seymour with us here. Uh, let's talk about ECU's now next opponent, Tulane. Uh, coincidentally enough, that will wind up being their last opponent uh, if things hold for the uh, trip to New Orleans on the second. Uh, yeah. You know, Cy, you look at uh, that, you're a basketball coach. The last thing you want to do is turn around and play a team you just beat, literally. I mean, last time you played in their building. <laughs> there, there's no doubt about it. You don't want to go your next – yeah, I, I, it's very difficult. Plus – this team is really, really talented. I'm talking about Tulane. They have major college transfers that just haven't meshed yet. When they do, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat. But you're right. Even saying that, you don't want to play the team that you just beat as your next game at their place. I don't. I, I don't. In, the, in this league, and as competitive as this league is, it is a very, very difficult situation. And you know. After the holidays, everybody's not sure who's practicing. Everybody's not right. sure who's playing. Yeah. It's very, very tough. No, it, it is. And, I mean, there's even with this ECU situation now, I mean, they're, they're having to do things a little differently with protocols and all that and, and contact tracing. I mean, it's, it, it's a mess. And the thing I think that has really benefited ECU of this 7-1 and start, and I think that can kind of keep this pirate team, um, you, you know, connected with one another is the fact that they have so much experience on the roster and the guys have played a lot of minutes uh, together. To me, that's as much an ingredient of the success so far that the Pirates have had in this this early start as anything. You know, I that's what that's what I think. I think Joe Dooley has molded this group into a team. They really do make the right pass. They make the extra pass. In fact, they've gotten two on two. They need to be more selfish some of the time. <laughs> but when you when you look at the assists to field goal, not turnover, the assists to field goals made, it's a it's an incredible statistic. I bet ECU's probably around fifty five or seventy percent, which is really really high. In other words, they know how to move the basketball to get it to the right people. They're very, they're very efficient in what they're doing. Uh, that's the mark of a team. That's what it is. And they're going to play great defense, and they're going to play hard. Right now, there's a couple of guys that aren't getting it all done in defense. That's why you'll see Joe pulling more people. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, nobody, no team in the league will play any harder than East Carolina. And and that's where Joe is so good. He, his t- kids play so hard. They're well coached. All of his staff is very good. And uh, they do things right. The problem will be, all of a sudden, when you're a team and a, and a piece of the wheel goes, 
it's going to be difficult for him. You know, that that's going to be the biggest problem. So uh, give credit. And I'll tell you, I was just looking at the notes last night about Tulane. Mm-hmm. They have players. Here's their transfer. Alabama, Seton Hall, Southern Miss, Nebraska, Vanderbilt, uh, and there's one more. But those are the kids that yeah. are coming into this lineup, and they can all play. So once they get those guys meshed, they can be very difficult to beat. ECU and Tulane, Saturday, 2 o'clock. You'll hear it here on 94.3 The Game and on 107.9 WNCT, the flagship stations of the ECU Pirates. One thirty, the airtime side will be uh, alongside Jeff Charles on the pregame. Uh, David Horn, I, I presume, uh, also producing the effort. And uh, those guys will have coverage of ECU against Tulane from New Orleans and what has been uh, certainly a... a an interesting year, to say the least. Okay, Cy, what do you look at as, despite the good start, the things that the Pirates have to uh, improve upon or do more of here as we have the calendar flip? Well, if you, if you really look at things, first of all, I, and I don't care what team it is, you've got to shoot the ball from the three uh, extremely uh, the best you can. You've got to really defend the three and shoot the three ball well. ECU's done a better job this year of that so far. Uh, and, and that's one thing you have to like about them. Uh, but they've got to shoot it a little bit better. Last night, uh, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, Houston plays Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Houston goes four for 21 from three, loses the game. They're number five in the country. But they went four for 21 from three. You've got to knock down three. It's just the way it is. And so ECU's got to knock down threes or, or find the guy that can knock down threes. That's going to be important. And, again, they're shooting it better. That's one of the things. The other thing is uh, you got to control the glass. you got to get stronger inside. Luigi's been playing pretty darn good, uh, but you're going to have to have out. Brody's been playing well, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to get a little more help there. And, again, you got to get the effort out of uh, Gardner every night out. It's just part of what he has to do, and uh, that's going to be a part of it. But, the guard play is really good for ECU. They just got to knock down more threes. And I have to say, Tyree Jackson's playing much better. Yeah. If Tyree can get hot from three, that's going to really help this ball club. And the young freshman, Farrakhan, he can play. So there, there are a lot of different weapons that can help ECU on that perimeter game. J.J.'s played well. Uh, Tristan's young and trying to get better at it. He's really good at it. Just this year hadn't hit it like he can. Uh, and And – so they're playing better, but defensively they've done a good job. And, and so you've got to keep doing that. And I, I feel like if you're East Carolina, you've got to feel good about your ball club because you do have options. That's, that's the yeah. key there. Yeah. Uh, the great Cy Seymour with us. Uh, Jaden, uh, you know, played the other day, took that nasty fall in Dallas. Uh, J.J. Miles, any, any health status update? You know, there's the one player who – I don't think it's been publicly announced uh, yet. Uh, probably, obviously, won't play uh, on uh, on a Saturday. But uh, right. any word on uh, those other guys as far as injuries go, or, or you'll learn a little more about that, I guess, in the next few days. Well, everything I'm hearing is Jaden's okay. Yeah, everything I'm hearing is that he's all right, and uh, and that helps. And I'm not sure, you know, when it comes about. At least you have depth. All over the oh, floor yeah, yeah. this year, absolutely. Yeah. That's going to. I tell you another guy. I, I didn't mention him all ago. Trey, uh, Tremont Robinson, boy, he he's playing much better this year. Defensively, he's playing great. When you have Trist, when you have uh, Tyree Jackson and him on the court, they're really getting after it defensively. They they have really done a good job. So 
Joe's got options. Let's say if it's a guard out. He's got a little more depth to play with there than he does in some spots. Uh, great stuff, Silas. Look forward to the call on uh, Saturday. Thanks a lot for the time, and uh, a happy and blessed New Year to you and your family. Stay safe, Patrick. Stay safe, and happy New Year to you. All right, uh, Cy Seymour, in a few minutes. Uh, we will. Uh, uh, do we have the audio, Ben, of the trophy breaking in the locker room for Wisconsin? Uh, oh, we do. You could hear it audibly breaking. Stay tuned. It is uh, investigative journalism at its finest, and we'll have it for you next. Online or on the go, Love it. log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day, you need to tell your smart speaker to stream 943 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Oh, Ben, that hit can only mean one thing. What's that? What is it? What does it mean? Your favorite song. It's not old-time rock and roll playing at the same time every day, but it's, it's, it's all right, though. Uh, Pirate Baseball, selected by the league's coaches as the preseason favorite to win the American. And seven out of uh, eight first-place votes went to ECU. How about that, Ben? Who was the guy that didn't vote for him? Well, it was probably Cliff. Yeah, because you can't vote for your own team. Uh, And I, I, I forgot who that vote went to, and... I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk Let's about it in the Houston. new year. Why not? It was whoever was voted third overall. And I, I just, I didn't look at it that closely because I just, I can't get my mind there right now. Because I'm concerned about this uh, trophy in uh, Charlotte that got shattered. Get my life together. Yes, exactly. That too. How about, speaking of Charlotte, Dwayne Haskins. All right. Um, do you have the, so this audio is from a Twitter clip. It's It's a video of. Uh, the Wisconsin players celebrating in the locker room after their big win in the Mayo Bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And some guy drops the trophy, and you can hear it shattering. It's audible. Play that, Ben. Hey! 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 <laughs> Play that last part again. I mean, you can hear it, can't you? When it falls, it just shatters. Hey! Why not get uh, you know some shatterproof uh, glass or or perhaps plastic like they have for Duke's mayonnaise? They don't have the ski mask for the champ. I guess they can't drink champagne. Maybe they're underage, but no right, ski you mask, can't have champagne no in a college. No nothing. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's uh, that is that. The, the only that time trophy. you hear noises like that in the locker room is when you got two champagne glasses clinking together. Right. She can't have that in the college. Uh, then you got a trophy shattering the Duke's got Mayo a, Bowl yeah, trophy. The Duke Mayo, the Duke Mayo Bowl trophy. Duke Mayo Bowl trophy shattering. The coveted Duke Mayo Bowl trophy. How about uh, this Haskins? What in the world is going through Matt Rule's mind? Yeah, you got to think he was probably. I can't. I can't imagine he was looking on the sidelines during that horrible performance and thinking I can fix that guy. 
That was, I mean, Zoki said it himself. That was one of the worst performances he had ever seen. That was awful. The thing about the thing about him is this: uh, Haskins is somebody's going to take a flyer on him because of the talent, but he does. He's not a first round talent. Would you agree with that? Not by any means. From yeah. just what we've seen so far, I mean, he'll get another opportunity, but uh, he just has a lot he's got to do. He's got to get his life together. He does. So we have 30 hours left in 2020. And uh, we're going to come back tomorrow at uh, 5, ring in the new year in Greece, count you down to the new year in Germany. Our extravaganza, P-Man's Rockin' New Year's Eve. Can't wait. Thanks to Cy Seymour. Thanks to Brian Mull. Ben Byram, as always. Uh, Patrick Johnson with you. Have a great rest of your evening, and we'll catch you tomorrow.